Father, we want to thank you for the, the wonderful sense of your presence that there is here this morning. Thank you for the, the incredible privilege that we have of being able to come and to meet in this place like we are doing at the moment. And thank you, Lord God, for the, such a meaningful time to remember all that you've done for us. Lord, forgive us for when we become familiar with what you have done for us. And we ask, Lord, now that you will help us. And we thank you for the, the power and truth of your word. And we ask you now that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would take the truth that we think about this morning and that you would thrill our hearts afresh with the wonder of who you are and that you would thrill our hearts afresh with the wonder of what you've done for us and who we are in you because we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Great stuff. Let's show our appreciation for the worship team, please. <clears throat> And good morning to you all. It's great to see you all here today. And we really do, as Davey said earlier, appreciate you for coming out. And we hope that as we turn to God's word now, that each of us can be encouraged, challenged, wherever we find ourselves in God today, that his word can meet us at that point. And that we'll, we'll leave here feeling blessed and that we've met with the Lord. We're going to continue our God Is series today by thinking about God is our salvation. God is our salvation. Isaiah chapter 12 verse 2 says this, Surely the Lord is my salvation. I will not trust, I will trust, <laughs> Freudian slip, I will trust and not be afraid. I'm really excited about this message and I really do hope that we can open up our hearts to what the Lord wants to say. That word salvation is a, an interesting one. It's, it's one that can be used actually in, in everyday language. If an old building is described as being beyond salvation, it means it's beyond repair. If a marriage needs salvation, it needs rescued. Uh, tourism can be described as the economic salvation for a country. It can be used in lots of different contexts and in lots of different ways. The Oxford Dictionary says salvation means preservation or deliverance from harm, ruin, or loss. However, even though the word is part of our language, Psalm chapter 3 verse 8 says this, salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to to the Lord. It was God's idea. And actually, folks, if we read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, and 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, what we will see is that salvation was God's idea even before he created the world. Even before he created the world. And it is, of course, one of the great and central themes of Scripture. So what I want to do now is just give a, a brief description of the biblical description of the word and then look at who we are because of salvation and if you're not a Christian and you're here today it's lovely to have you with us but we really want to encourage you to open up your hearts and your minds as well because everything that you hear today about who we are in Christ because of this great salvation can actually become reality for you too. Many of us know that that the Old Testament was originally written in the Hebrew language and the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. And if you're taking notes, you might want to jot this down. The Hebrew word Yeshua, Y-E-S-H-U-A, the Hebrew word Yeshua and the Greek word Soteria, 
S-O-T-E-R-I-A, both mean salvation or deliverance, rescue, safety, victory, and preservation. And in the Old Testament, that word Yeshua was used more than often to describe physical rescue or salvation. So when the children of Israel were standing trapped at the Red Sea and the Egyptians were were chasing after them, Moses says in Exodus 14, 13, do not be afraid, stand still and see the Yeshua, the salvation of the Lord. It referred to their physical deliverance from the Egyptians. But of course, we know that so many Old Testament stories like that one are always pointing to and nudging us in the direction of a greater Yeshua, a greater salvation that would come. For those who are interested, the name Jesus means Savior. And it's linked through translation to the Old Testament word Yeshua. Uh, Messianic Jews insist on calling Jesus Yeshua. And that simple point shows us how in the Old and the New Testament, Jesus is bang smack in the center of God's great salvation plan for us. And because Jesus is fully God, we can say and declare with confidence, uh, as Isaiah 12 tells us, surely God is our salvation. We have victory in him. And only in him are we saved. Only in him are we delivered. And only in him are we rescued from our sin and all of its consequences. What I would like us to do now is to think about who we are because of this incredible salvation and what difference it makes to our standing before God. It's interesting that in the Bible, salvation has three different dimensions. There's three different dimensions. It's not just connected to our conversion. It has that past dimension, of course, i.e. when we got saved, but it also has a present dimension in that we are being saved, and it has a future dimension in that one day we will be fully saved when we get to heaven. And I'd like to show this by looking at certain aspects of our identity, who we are because of salvation. There's a a lovely story I remember reading a while ago um, about President Jimmy Carter. So it is an old story. And President Carter was visiting a country in Africa. And the president of that particular country couldn't speak a word of English. And he wanted to greet Jimmy Carter in English. So he started to rehearse, good morning, how are you? Good morning. How are you? And he rehearsed this and he rehearsed it till it was word perfect. And it came time to go and meet the president at the airport and off he went. And then he, he goes on to the, the, the runway and in comes Air Force One. The door opens and out comes President Carter. He waves to the world's media and then locks eyes in this guy. And he walks down the stairs and the president of this country grabs his hand. He says, good morning. Who are you? (laughs) I I love that story because the guy actually asks a really good question. Who are you? Who am I? And I want to go down this angle today of who we are because of this salvation for a great reason. And it's this. One of the biggest areas that we can struggle with as Christians is doubt. 
We can doubt ourselves. Other people can doubt us. And Satan certainly loves to sow seeds of doubt into our minds too. He's the champion of discouragement. He's the champion of frustration and the champion of all confusion and so much more. But hey, Jesus is the champion of the world. Amen? He absolutely is. And because we know who we are, because of God's great salvation, we can identify when Satan and other areas try to attack and bring doubt and we can stand strong against them. It's very important. Earlier, I mentioned that one of the meanings of the Hebrew and Greek words for salvation is victory. Victory. And God's great salvation has purchased a victory for us and we need to live in it. But listen to this. Knowing our identity in Christ and not knowing it can be the difference between living a victorious or a defeated Christian life. Very much so. We need to know who we are. Unless we know our position in God, we're never going to be able to live from it. So what I want to do is look at some truths in Scripture that help us see the past, present, and future dimensions of salvation and how they reveal who we are. Here's something that I want to use to frame this next part of the talk, and it's this. You are significant. You are significant. And there are many people here today who need to hear that. You may not feel significant. And normally when I preach, I like to use the word we because the message is for all of us. But I want to use the word you today so that you as an individual can specifically really feel the impact of this word. You are significant. You mightn't feel it. In fact, often every single one of us knows what it's like to feel a nobody and also to feel like a failure. And this is why it's all important to do this thing. I want you to know that you are a somebody today because somebody with a capital S lives inside of you. I want you to know today that you are a somebody because somebody with a capital S lives inside of you. Now, I want you to say that out loud with me, okay? I want you to say it out loud with me. And I want you to believe it. Say this after me. I am a somebody. Now, come on, people. Let's say it with a bit of Pentecostal belief, okay? I am a somebody. Because somebody lives inside of me. Absolutely. You see, the world that we live in tries to give us this misplaced sense of identity. It sees significance through the lenses of a job title. It sees significance through what school we go to, what we look like, or our achievements. And it's all rubbish. It's all wrong. And it's one of the reasons why we can feel so insignificant or feel a failure. Our significance before God, folks, is never found in what we do. It's always found in who we are. Our significance before God, it's never found in what we do. It's always found in who we are because of this great salvation. You are incredibly significant. And the first main point that I want to make is that salvation obviously has this past reality. Obviously, it has that. If we are a Christian, we will have become one in the past, whether it was one day ago or 50 years ago, it was in the past. And when you became a Christian, the Bible says, God forgive all your sin. And it uses a great word to describe this, justification. Sadly, that's a word that's not often used in churches today. And it's becoming part of this biblical language that is being forgotten to our detriment. Justification. 
Romans chapter 3 verse 24 says, we are justified freely by his grace. (laughs) Justification, it's a legal term. And what it does is it refers to our legal standing before God. So if you think about a, a legal picture here today, this is a courtroom, God's the judge, we're in the dock and we are guilty sinners, guilty as charged. Every single one of us, because we've all stuffed up, I know that in my life, we've all stuffed up, we've all done wrong, we've all got an awful lot of junk. And we're guilty as charged. And God, the judge, demands that a penalty be paid for that sin. And we can say everything to God about how good we are, how much charity work we do, how often we come to church even, how often we read the Bible or pray, how we try to be the best people that we can be. And it won't matter a jot or a tittle because we will still stand there guilty as charged. Bible tells us that all our righteous acts, all the good stuff that we try to do, even the religious stuff that we try to do is like filthy rags before God. Whilst they are good to do, they are still stained with sin. They don't deal with the core problem. They don't deal with the core problem. We stand before God guilty as charged no matter how good or religious we are. But Jesus comes into the courtroom and his death on the cross has been beautifully reminded about through the the, the songs that we've been singing today and his resurrection have paid the penalty that God the judge demands for our sin. And he is perfect as we were singing about today. And because he's perfect, he's perfect in his justice. And when Jesus comes into the courtroom, his perfect justice is satisfied at every bit of wrong in my life was paid for at the cross. And because of that, the perfect judge is satisfied. Sin has been paid for. And if we put our trust in him, then we can be freed from the penalty. Justification is a legal term that refers to this. It means we're declared right before God. Justification is a legal term and it means this, we're declared right before God. When we got saved, the past tense of salvation, God declared us not guilty and we became righteous in his sight before the judge. So see when Satan attacks and he tells you that you're worthless, tell him to get lost because you know who you are. You are justified before God, forgiven. What is it the Bible says? As far as the the east is from the west, so far as God removed our sin from us. What does that mean? Well, here's what I think it means. You can never get to a point on a map and stand and say, I am east. You can never get to a point on a map and stand and say, I am west. There's an infinite distance between them. And here's what God says. Just see how far those two things are apart? That's how far I've removed your sin and all of its consequences from you. It's wonderful. You are so significant. Do you want me to go a little bit further? Are you sure? Okay. Not only are you justified through God's great salvation, you're also a child of the living God. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 says this, how great is the love the Father has not trickled, lavished, love that word, lavished upon us that we can be called children of God. Sometimes we can miss this one. When we got saved, God went further than justification. When we got saved, 
God went further than justification. Now, if all God did was save and forgive us from the consequences of sin, and and that would have been more than enough. And to answer the question today, who am I? We would have celebrated and said, I'm a forgiven sinner before God the judge. Because justification only refers to our legal standing before God. But God went further and he adopted us into his family. Ephesians 1 verse 5, in love, God predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus. He didn't have to, but in love he did. So no longer is our standing forgiven sinners before a judge, but now we are children before a father. This absolutely revolutionizes the nature of our relationship with God. And I think that adoption is one of the most beautiful Beautiful doctrines in all of Scripture. We are children of God. They say I lived back in those days when Paul was writing about adoption. And I was a slave in a home and the master loved me. Of course he would love me. But he he loved me and he wanted to adopt me into his family. He could do that. And when he would have that transaction done, what would happen is all the records of my life as a slave would be taken and destroyed and a new record would be opened of my life as a son. It's the perfect picture of the cross. And what happened to us whenever we received Jesus, all the record of our sin, of all the junk and all the failure, it was taken, it was destroyed. And a new record was opened that of a child of God, of a son and daughter of the Father. Micah 7 verse 19 speaks about God throwing our sin into the sea of forgetfulness. It's a wonderful picture. So when Satan attacks you and tells you that you are nothing, that you are insignificant, you tell him to get lost because you know who you are. You're justified in God's sight and you're adopted into his family. You're significant. Do you want me to go any further? All right, God's salvation has this past dimension, but our second point is it also has a present dimension in our lives. We're told in Philippians 2 verse 12, work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. See, what God has done in us, we need to work out through us in all of our lives. And that part of the process is called sanctification. Again, another great biblical word that's lost in many churches today. Sanctification. And what that word is speaking about is holiness. We'll think about this next Sunday morning when we think about God is holy. That holiness that is within us, we work out as we make the proper choices in our lives. How do we know that we are holy and that holiness is within us? Well, we know it because we know who we are in this great salvation. And here's something God calls us saints, (laughs) okay? Saints. Paul started many of his letters like Ephesians saying to the saints in Ephesus. You're justified, you're adopted into the family and you're also a saint. You're also a saint. Now, the saint is not an idea of the wee man with a halo, that sort of thing. The meaning behind the word is holiness. The meaning behind the word saint is holiness, that we are set apart from this world to God. You may not feel the holiest person in the world. Often we don't feel that way. But because of Jesus, you have an identity in him. And in God's sight, you are a saint today. You're righteous, you're clean. Ephesians 1 verse 4, God chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Those of us who walked in this morning feeling like sinful wretches, 
Some of us who maybe felt we couldn't take communion this morning. There's no reason why we, that's the very reason we should take communion, by the way, whenever we're feeling so low, because it reminds us of what God has done for us. But those who came in feeling like absolute wretches this morning, you are a saint. Before God created the world, he knew what you'd be like. He knew what I would be like. He knew about all the stuff, but he still chose us. He still called us to be his children. And when God looks at you today, here's what he sees. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's wonderful because Jesus lives in us by the Holy Spirit. God looks at us and he sees Jesus. You're a somebody because somebody lives inside you. And I hope that inspires us this morning as we go into the week ahead to work out that ongoing work of salvation in our lives as we make the right choices. Yes, we'll stuff up, but see when Satan attacks your head and he tells you, how could you be a Christian? You tell him to get lost in Jesus' name because you know you're justified. You know you are a child of God and you know that you are a saint holy, forgiven, righteous in God's sight. Do you want me to go further? You're losing enthusiasm there. You are so, I'm just going to go on anyway. It's a rhetorical question. You are so significant that your salvation is assured. Because our third and final point is that salvation has a future dimension. 1 Peter 1 verse 9 says, you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. See, in one sense, we now possess the results of our faith, but in another sense, we're still waiting to receive the full salvation when we will be fully saved, when we'll be fully delivered from sin, temptation, and all the stuff of this world. And that is, of course, when we go to heaven. The Bible has another great word to describe that, glorification. Glorification. It's a wonderful word. But one of the great things about our identity due to this great salvation that inspires us to keep going is that all of it is assured. Everything that's ahead is absolutely assured. See if our conversion is genuine, real, and it's evidenced in a life that's changed. It's assured. And assurance of salvation is one of the most wonderful and mighty defenses against doubt and insecurity. When we're under attack, we need to look at the cross. Here are some scriptures to build us up. Receive these in your spirit. Receive these in your minds because they're absolutely true and they describe you. Here are some scriptures about our assurance. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. And I want you to hear the language, folks. The absolute conviction of this language. There's no gray with this. This is black and white truth from scripture. 2 Timothy 1, verse 2 says, I am convinced that he is able to guard and keep that which we have entrusted to him. 1 John 5 verse 13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. There's no doubt there at all. It's absolute conviction. John 6 verse 39, this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none, none of all he has given to me. John chapter 10 verse 28, I give them eternal life. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident. Are you struggling? Are you at the end of the rope? Because you wonder, how could God love me? Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident of this, 
that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Romans 8 verse 39, Aaron read it out for us earlier. Nothing, nothing, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in us through Christ. There's glorification that awaits every single one of us because of our great salvation in Jesus. It's completely assured. Romans 12 verse 2 tells us how we need to continually renew our minds with the things of God. Why? So that when Satan comes and he tells you that you're a failure, you can say, yes, I am, but because of Jesus and his salvation, I am a success. When he tells you that you are weak, you can say, yes, I am, but because of Jesus and his great salvation, I am strong. I'm a somebody because somebody lives in me. Because we're saved, knowing who we are, it protects us against doubt. It protects us against attack. And hopefully we're seeing today, even with the scriptures been read out, the importance of opening that precious book and learning who we are. What are we going to stand against Satan with if we don't know the Bible, if we don't know our identity? So today what we've done as we're drawing to a close is think about God, our salvation. We've thought about the Hebrew, the Greek words, what they mean, and then thought about this great salvation. How knowing that God has our past, present, and future sorted can help us against doubt and insecurity. So how in these last few minutes can we respond to the message? Well, there's a few ways. A few ways. Let's stand together. Let's just close our eyes. Are you here today and you're not a Christian? Well, we want to give you the opportunity now to respond to God who is our salvation and who can be your salvation too. But it's only him. The Bible says salvation is found in no one or in nothing else. There's only one name given under heaven by which we can be saved. That's the name of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way. Some people might think that's a bit of an intolerant thing for Jesus to say he can be intolerant because he's the only leader of a religion to rise from the dead and he's your only hope. And I would just love you to answer these questions honestly to yourself if you're not a Christian or maybe you're a backslider. And you can always say this, it doesn't, you're not a backslider if you haven't read your Bible for two weeks or you said a bad word yesterday. You committed your life to God a while ago and where you are now is miles away from where you know you should be. If that's you, answer this, please. Or ask yourselves these questions. Do you know that you're a sinner? Because if you do, I want you to know you're in great company because we're all that way. Do you know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Do you know that because he is alive, his salvation can become real for you? Do you know that today you can become forgiven for all your sins? You can become a child of God. You can become someone who God looks at you and sees Jesus in you. And you can have a future in heaven absolutely guaranteed. Because here's a crack. 
if you believe all of that, why would you not want this salvation? If Jesus Christ is not worth following, I don't know who is. Don't let the devil whisper in your ear at this moment. You can't because of that big failure, that big sin in your life. Please let me knock that one out of the park. There's nothing in your life that God cannot deal with. Why would Jesus go through hell on a cross if there was something in your life that he couldn't deal with? That doesn't make sense. What makes sense is not only can he deal with that and all your sin, he desperately wants to. Don't let the devil tell you you're okay the way you are. Why would Jesus go through what he did if you could be get into heaven by just turning up here on a Sunday? That doesn't make sense. And don't let the devil tell you you couldn't keep this. Don't do it. You couldn't keep it because here's the crack. God will keep you. God will keep you. Maybe after years of coming to this church week after week or years of rejection of God in your life, are you ready to give your life to him now? And if you are, every head's bowed in this room. would love to pray with you. But I would love to hear and see if you'd like someone to pray with you. So if you'd like to become a Christian and pray a prayer or recommit your life to God, just lift your hand quickly where you're sitting and we'll say a prayer with you right now. Just take the courage, lift your hand, and let me see it. And we'll pray with you. A hand feels like a hundred pound weight in the end of it, doesn't it? Your heart's beating like a drum. Take the courage because you'll encourage other people here to do exactly the same. If you want everything that has been talked about today to be reality for you, please lift your hand. We'll pray with you now. Christians, there's a couple of ways we can respond to today. Here's how we can respond. Firstly, commit the study in the precious word of God so that we can understand in a deeper way who we are because of God's great salvation. And finally, look up at my hair, right? Here's how we're going to respond. And we're going to, the whole team's going to come up and want us to start the jam and get ready for a big few anthems that are going to send us into the week just absolutely lit, okay? Here's how we're going to respond again. To go out of here today in confidence, okay? To go out of here today in confidence because we know who we are. And what I want us to do is something... Um, that we tried to do through the, the service today and we're going to do it again. I want us to declare our truth today out loud. I want to say something. I want you to repeat it to me and I want you to say it like we're an army of God here. I want us to say it like we believe it and I want us to say it loud enough to let the devil of hell know that we know who we are in this church and we are going to go on in God. So please say this out loud with me. I am significant because I am justified. I am a child of God, a saint whose salvation is assured. Satan, I am a somebody because somebody lives inside of me. And that somebody, Jesus, made a public spectacle of you at the cross. And that somebody, Jesus, has got my past, my present, and my future absolutely sorted. Now Satan, 
Get out of my way. In Jesus' name. Amen.